a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you'll meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That's exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. All right, so David Brooks, uh, the best-selling author, speaker, commentator, and columnist for the New York Times, uh, has not yet been on MANA. <laughs> We're still working with his, with his people. Uh, but a book he wrote a few years ago uh, could have very well been written by today's guest. The book is called The Second Mountain, uh, and it was actually kind of a sequel to an earlier book that, uh, that he wrote called The Road to Character, both of which I would highly recommend to any listener out there if you want two great books. But anyway, uh, Brooks's thesis in The Second Mountain is that we all spend the first part of our life climbing our first mountain, which is typically measured by first-person uh, metrics, you know, like what kind of job do we have? What's our title in that job? Where do we live? What kind of house, cars, stuff, status, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and those things aren't inherently bad, uh, but what eventually happens to all of us is on that first climb, uh, something happens that knocks us off that first mountain, either by choice or by circumstance, uh, and that circumstance sometimes is usually not a good circumstance, like maybe it could be a death, a job loss. But anyway, something forces us to start climbing again, okay? But blessedly, usually, uh, when we climb that second mountain, we're climbing it differently. First of all, we're climbing a different mountain, and we're climbing it in a different way with different measures of success. So instead of happiness, we find ourselves seeking joy. You know, instead of prominence, we're looking for purpose instead of Having a strictly transactional view of the world, you know, we're, uh, we're, where we're just about giving and getting, you know, we adopt a more, you know, kind of relational relationship view of the world where we're focused more on the other than ourselves. Well, today's guest has not only been on his own second mountain uh, for the, over the last 10 years, but he's a guy who helps others find and climb their second mountains too. Uh, after a successful career as a uh, as a bond trader and doing uh, things very complex things with uh, involving money and big companies, uh, our guest directed his intellectual and creative gifts toward the church. Uh, literally uh, graduating from Bethel Seminary and then becoming an associate pastor, currently serving at Mount Olivet Lutheran Church uh, here in Minneapolis. Um, but I want to be clear, this is not some kind of like second chapter quasi-retirement gig, okay? This guy's not like riding off into the sunset and just, you know, having coffee with parishioners after church. You know, he's actively climbing his own second mountain by developing and leading some very creative ministries at Mount Olivet, uh, which for those that aren't here in Minneapolis, uh, Mount Olivet is, I think, at one point in time, it probably still is the largest Lutheran church in Minnesota. It's got multiple campuses. I mean, it's an enterprise. So this is like... This is like a corporation, if you will. Uh, anyway, so the stuff that he's leading there includes yeah, streaming uh, sermons. Basically, he's got his own podcast there. Uh, mobile food drives, communion during uh, during COVID. And he continues to be an active member in the community at large through his board service and representing uh, faith communities in several events and other podcasts. In fact, some of you 
uh, were introduced to him last season on MANA uh, in, on a special National Day of Prayer uh, podcast that we did uh, for the Greater Minneapolis Council of Churches. So all of this is on top of being a devoted husband, a dad, a friend, and a second mountain Sherpa to, uh, to, to a lot of people, both formally and informally. I'm, of course, talking about today's manna man, Pastor <laughs> Bill McLean. Hello, Pastor Bill. Hello, Jeff. My job will be to live up to those glowing <laughs> comments in the next few minutes. Well, sorry, that was a little bit of a long intro, but I just, I, I love that book. And honestly, when I think of that book and that, that whole idea of the second mountain, I mean, you, you live it both personally, but you also help so many other people on their second mountain path. Um, yes, and just a little uh, claim to fame, David Brooks was actually at a wedding I officiated. Oh my gosh! And I had a wonderful conversation with him. So uh, he's a he's a fabulous author, and yeah. um, I had a wonderful, um, memorable conversation with him. Yeah, so smart and so uh, you know he doesn't write explicitly a lot about faith, but he's you can tell the way he writes and what he writes about. I mean, there's obviously a very strong. Mm-hmm faith component to his whole kind of being so anyway some some listeners as i mentioned have heard your voice already uh and your wisdom through the national day of prayer podcast but i'm super excited to spend the next couple of minutes just talking about you because that's what man is about we we feature these great uh men of faith so so let's 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 talk about your second mountain you know you started your second mountain climb um not quickly and it wasn't like you're right and it wasn't some through big as i remember it anyway it wasn't through some big tragedy um it was a period of discernment and you know kind of more kind of whispers than these these big shouts so i I thought it'd be be cool for us just to let's start there take us back you know over 10 years ago uh when you first started kind of getting these maybe inklings that that this would be the would this would be the mountain that you're supposed to kind of be climbing now yeah, well, I've reflected on that, and you know, specifically, I can go back and uh, I, I have a letter that I had received from Luther Seminary in 1997, uh, answering uh, my inquiry into attending, which I was surprised it went back that far. Um, but then, more specifically, um, and it was a five-year period of uh, discernment, I would say. Uh, and more me saying no to God versus, mm-hmm. uh, but then the more I said no, the more unsettled I became. But in the year 1999, my son and I went on a mission trip to India and went to not only on the mission part of it in northern India, but went back to central India and saw the schools and the hospitals and the churches that my missionary ancestors had uh, built up in the Uh, Well, starting in 1835. And um, that just had a huge impact on me that uh, my ancestors' faith was so uh, pivotal as to who they were that they left what was comfortable to go to a strange land to to build uh, Christian ministry. And... um, the other event that happened uh, was around that time of the mission trip, uh, one of my best friends was diagnosed with um, glioblastoma, brain cancer, and walking with him through that journey over a two-year period and seeing the change 
that his faith made in his life and his ability to deal with this uh, life-threatening mm-hmm. uh, cancer uh, also had a huge impact on me. So he died in 2002, uh, my mom's death in 2004. I was finally reminded that our life here on earth doesn't go on forever. Mm. Uh, duh. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes we just have to have moments that just, yeah. you know, whack us over the head and remind us of that. And I thought um, I was sitting in a parking lot in at the Eden Prairie Mall for some reason. I don't know. I don't shop, but I don't know why I was there. And I was having a conversation with a young man, 22, who was contemplating seminary and he was seeking advice from me. And he said to me, Bill, until you are obedient to God's call on your life, you're going to be unsettled. Hmm. And I was. And so I finally entered seminary part-time. I actually attended part-time while I was working full-time for five years. And uh, I tell the confirmation kids at at church that it was like a teeter-totter. That Hmm. seminary was uh, something that I was dabbling in, but my career was on the high and then gradually that shifted and seminary became um really one of the most important things i was doing yeah did because you were going part-time would would, did you have was it easier to because i'm sure even though you were doing it part-time there were still moments where you're like oh is this should i really be doing this but because you still had that balance was it easier do you think just to kind of keep getting through it and and versus if it would have been a, a cold or a hard break yeah would maybe the um doubt maybe or something like that or, or you know because he kind of had both going on at the same time is yeah that, is that helpful well i attended both bethel seminary and luther seminary uh-huh. and bethel has had this wonderful sempm program and so i was in sempm for three years with other folks who had full-time careers mm-hmm. or they were youth staff at a church and we were all continually together trying to discern um why god had called us to this place at this time yeah and so we were all kind of helping each other try to figure this out yeah. and i also had uh arranged to have some flexibility at us bank um just a side note the 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 man who was the treasurer at us bank who made that happen uh interestingly uh i did his funeral a few years ago mm. at Mount Olivet. Mm. And uh, I had been with the same company under five different names for 20 years. And there were some folks going back to the first bank days that um, were a little puzzled seeing Bill McLean up at the <laughs> altar officiating the serv- service. Like, yeah. uh, isn't that Bill McLean up there? Yeah. What's what, what happened here? Yeah. Wow. Well, speaking of that, when, when you finally made the, you know, in, even when you were going part-time I and mean, you're still now, it's sort of like official, like I'm going to do this. So speaking of that, what was your family's reaction, you know, at the time, if you can remember? I mean, they probably weren't, I mean, you made them aware of the ancestral connection, mm-hmm. but just more from how they saw you, how you grew up. I mean, was this a, a natural like, oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. Or, or, or was your family like, oh, well, that's kind of, I mean, it's, it's cool. But was it, were they surprised at all that this is what you were looking at, at doing? My immediate family, no, uh-huh. no, they they weren't surprised. Um, I would say uh, I have gone back to my college and been invited to preach at the reunion chapel services. 
So I would say some of my fraternity brothers show up at the chapel just because they can't believe that I'm <laughs> I'm doing this. Um, quite honestly, uh, Sunday mornings in college were to sleep in. Right. Right. For me, I'm, I'm sorry to say, I missed out on a lot. Oh, we all did, yes. <laughs> what about what about surprises for you? You know, so now, so past the you know past the seminary, you're into it. I mean, and now it's been over ten years. What have been some of the things that I mean? Obviously, more good than bad surprises. But have there been things where maybe, and not to get negative, but like, have there been some things where you're like, huh? Well, this isn't like I didn't expect this, or or you know maybe even some carryovers from whether it's stress or things from the old from the old job, you know the first mountain that you're like, oh okay, well I guess that's that's just that's part of life here, you know like anything like that where where you're surprised in either the good or the bad. Um, more good for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, when I was doing my pastoral internship, within the first week there was um, we all know people with low filters and they just blurt out questions that catch you off guard and uh, this woman said to me so what in the world does bond trading have to do with ministry (laughs) and uh, I quickly came to the answer which I still subscribe to they're both relationship businesses and uh, that's the commonality that I think both of my worlds share is that I'm a people person I'm uh, I'm a connector. I love hearing how people are interconnected mm-hmm. and, and their stories are connected. Um, so that I have loved throughout. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, for me, the most difficult period in ministry has been during COVID. Uh, heightened anxiety, uh, filters lowering, yeah. uh, political discord, uh, just discord on how to handle anything, mm-hmm. basically. And um, we represent God to people, and so people lash out to us in their heightened anxiety. Yeah. And uh, it's been difficult, but but manageable. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned um, earlier that your friend who passed, uh, your boss, who you had the blessing to be able to officiate at his funeral, I, I'm obviously I'm guessing too. You know, if someone were to ask you about role models, you know, men that you know influenced you, they would be you know near the top of your list. If you go, if you go back further, back to your childhood, who are some guys that that you know maybe they weren't forming you to to do what you're doing now specifically, but who are some of the men that you remember back growing up that were particularly influential to building your kind of character? Well, believe it or not, uh, my dad, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't say believe it or not, my dad and I are, we're very different, uh, human beings. My dad, uh, was brilliant, uh, had his bachelor's in chemical engineering from MIT, MBA from Stanford. You know, one of these, uh, men who had achieved that, uh, as a son, I always felt, uh, you know, I can only try to yeah, be right. half. And sometimes I would just give up. And But we were very different. Uh, I'm extroverted. He was introverted. Um, but he did have a huge uh, role in my life. Yeah. And uh, I he's one that I thought he'll never understand why I want to go into ministry. 
But after he died uh, five years ago, um, I pulled a lot of his files, put them in boxes, and then during COVID, I went through things and found that he had saved every sermon, everything I'd ever written in a file and had written notes. And I know that he was a man of faith, but he, he was also a math science uh, person that just wanted answers. Yeah. And um, I like to think that um, perhaps my life, whether it was black and white answers or just the way I live my life, gave him uh, some of the answers that he was seeking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, and actually when you said believe it or not at the outset, I think a lot of us as men, you know, when we think about role models, we 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 often hop over our dads for, mm-hmm. for good or bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we think of the coaches or whatever, but I do think there are, you know, even when there are differences, those influences, and I think that's such a great, that had to be such a cool moment for you to go through all those sermons and see the notes and, yeah. and just... Uh, it was. I've yeah. saved them all just because I was so... Um, it uh, impacted me greatly. Yeah. I didn't know he'd done that, Yeah, that he'd saved that. And his brother, uh, who was very different from my dad, uh, who was always like the class clown, uh, just Mr. Personality, he, he had a huge impact. And then their father, my grandfather, I would say my grandparents um, modeled to me uh, unconditional love, which uh, to me transfers to God's unconditional love for us. So. I was the blessed recipient of unconditional love from as far back as I can remember. And my role now as a, as a grandfather of so far four hmm. is to continue that yeah. going forward, pay yeah. that forward. Yeah. What's it like, um, back, to the, back to the day job now, you know, I, I talked in the intro about both your second mountain, but then you're also kind of in a capacity where you're, where you're able to be helping people, you know, not necessarily that they come to you like, I'm on my second mountain, but I mean, you're, you're, you're counseling people, you're helping them get through grief and blah, blah, blah. What differences, if any, do you see between um, ministering to men hmm. versus women? Like, is there, is there, you know, the whole premise of manna is that, you know, we need guys to feel more comfortable speaking of faith. And the way, one way we can do that is, if they just hear other guys like yourself talking about it, and so, but do you find are there are there are there are there many differences in in helping men versus women sort of work through issues, whether they're with career or faith or family? That is really an interesting question um, because I I have looked I have a file where I save um, say thank you notes or I call it my affirmation file. Mm. Because uh, this was a tip from my internship uh, pastoral supervisor. If you receive a negative email, negative note, pull out your affirmation file. Throw that away, pull out your affirmation file. And I have many notes uh, and comments in my affirmation file. But interestingly, as you were asking that question, uh, most of these are from women. Mm. That's very interesting. Um, I'm thinking of a a man who I got to know, um, we have a hockey connection, and uh, a man I got to know maybe five years ago, I won't go into it, but he is, um, I'll just say a a dip-nosed member of the church. He dips in, (laughs) dips out. 
And um, we had good conversations whenever I would see him. He was, I could tell he was seeking. And then a year ago, he got the diagnosis that mm. he had terminal cancer. Mm. And he was dying. And we had some good conversations about that. And he, just the fact that I had laid the groundwork, you know, starting about five years ago, and he kept calling me, um, not all the time, but when he was wrestling with things, um, that was, he never, he, he did tell me he loved me and he loved my, our friendship, but, um, and I did end up doing his uh, funeral, mm -hmm. sadly. Mm -hmm. But that was more affirmation yeah. than the nicest letter. Yeah, right. Is just to have had that relationship. And that's more how it is with men. Yeah. Is there's um, some men uh, kind of can't believe what I, that I did what I did. Yeah. Um, I think there's some quiet admiration because perhaps they have a dream that they uh, don't feel they can mm -hmm. move to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, well, I think what's great about that story, and, and I think so many others of both people in your position formally, but for all of us and, and our God, is the patience, you know? Like. You're a patient pastor. You know, you, you laid the groundwork five years ago and, you know, it maybe would have come back to you or maybe not. And you just have to do that, that, that unconditional. That's, that, that's part of your, again, your day job. But it's also just part of you as a person, as a friend, as a, as a dad, as a grandfather. And that's, I think that's, I think that's God also. You know, you think of all the groundwork that he lays and then he's just waiting for us. <laughs> but he's very patient. And so... And there's never, a, you know, whenever we come to it, it you know, his first uh, reaction isn't like, all right, that took you a long time. <laughs> his first reaction is, all right. Well, we, and we may be planting seeds, obviously, that we have no idea yeah. that we are. Totally. I ran into a man who uh, is a pastor and an encourager of me. I just ran into him when I went up to uh, Starbucks this morning. And he once gave me some advice when I was having some struggles with my son as a teenager, uh, getting into trouble and whatnot. And I, and I remember exclaiming to this, this friend, he just doesn't listen to me. And uh, this friend responded, Bill, he's not listening to you because he's too busy watching you. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that is me as a pastor. Yeah. I'm not sure everyone's always listening to me but they're watching me and I'm aware of that and I'm not, I'm not putting on some kind of uh, hypocritical act. I mean, I am who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that certain people are intrigued that I've done what I do and they're watching me in action, um, you know, and some do listen to me. Uh, some do <laughs> because I get notes. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, and, you know, because we are a pastor up front, uh, everyone thinks we know them. Yeah, right. But we don't, yep. unfortunately. Yep. Uh, so I have people walking up to me uh, at the grocery store 
or wherever, gas station. For sure. Yeah. And talking about something I said or did that they won't forget. Mm-hmm. And I may have even forgotten it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's very, yeah, and there's the, yeah, the seeds that we're planting that we're not even aware of by, by how we're acting. That's, that's, that is a very wise friend there. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, hey, we are actually already, time goes by so fast here, we're actually at the fun segment of the, of the big show here where we ask the same three questions of every guest. Uh, so, first question, if Jesus uh, knocked on your door tomorrow morning, and by the way, for man listeners, we're actually here in uh, Pastor Bill's kitchen doing this. We're doing this one remote, which is always my favorite uh, type of uh, episodes here. Uh, so, um, so anyway, if, he, if Jesus came right up here to the sliding uh, glass door here and knocked on and said, hey, I got the whole day free, let's go do something, how are you going to spend your day with Jesus? <laughs> uh, play a little tennis? No, just, uh, <laughs> no actually, uh, having uh, studied scripture deeply over the last 15 years, I would seek some clarification of, uh, of, of things he did, things he said. Uh, I'm kind of a geeky learner, so I would take that as a, the most incredible opportunity yeah. to learn. Talk to the author right there. You Absolutely. Got That's Absolutely. Awesome. All right, question number two. If you could uh, go to church with any other guy, living or dead, uh, famous or not, uh, who would you go to church with? Uh, it would be absolutely one of my missionary ancestors who mm. I would... Uh, my first ancestor went to India in 1835. And I'm still, every time I talk about that, I'm in awe that he got married, got on a ship for three months to go to a foreign land because his faith was so deep and unshakable and uh i like to think mine is too yeah. but um i haven't been pushed or tested like that but i would like to uh i would seek to understand uh what that was like yeah that so uh yeah that's that's a conversation i would love to have yeah just think of that the three months being on just just you're not even there yet you're just on the boat on the way there and yeah. you've got 90 days to just be praying and discerning and the whole thing and yeah yeah i mean i can understand to a point uh, you know throwing your trust to god because when i graduated from seminary i had no idea where i was going to land mm-hmm. and quite honestly i had uh say i had much punier plans for myself uh, Mount Olivet was not on my yeah. radar. You basically at hit all. The, like the big leagues. I mean, that's like you know, it's like playing basketball for the Lakers. You know, so <laughs> you hit it. I did, but I also think um, I I rose to the occasion. I yeah. I worked very hard. Um, I wanted you know to prove myself that I was yeah. capable of fulfilling this role, and uh, I think I have. Yeah. All right. Fun segment question number three to wrap us up here. If you could give one piece of advice to a younger man, uh, a little further upstream, uh, just about living a, a, a confident, humble life of faith, what would that one piece of advice be? Ask questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask questions that are just deeply within your heart. Uh, when I was a young man uh, seeking, 
seeking my own faith, I say. I grew up in the church, and uh, but I think we all have to make our our parents' faith or the faith we grew up with, we have to make it our own. Mm -hmm. And I believe in order to do that, you have to ask tough questions and you have to find the right person or people to ask those questions to. Uh, I had a uh, pastor say to me, Bill, you ask too many questions. You just need to accept things by faith. Mm. And that didn't work for me. Yeah, right. Um, and even when I was going through my discernment process, uh, I probably had 10 uh, men and some women of faith that I talked to about what it's like to be a pastor and am I suited to be a pastor? And, um, you know, I asked the tough questions. And uh, finally, you know, and these are people who knew me. And uh, that's part of how I ended up yep. taking the route I went yeah no I think that's great I think you're you know you have to you have to work the, the muscles you know what I mean you got you got you got to exercise the muscles and make sure that uh, you know that's how you get in shape so for all of you listening out there if you're looking for somebody to ask those questions to Pastor Bill McLean so. I, I have very uh, several very good conversations about people seeking change in their life yeah yeah I can imagine well Thank you again for uh, being on now the second podcast that I've had the honor uh, and privilege of being able to interview you for. So it's just, it's been great Thank you, for Jeff. me personally to know you for the last few years. And I'm so happy that uh, all of our Man listeners now know um, Pastor Bill McLean. Thank you, again. Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.